Welcome back. I'm Justin Bullock, and here again I'm with a few uh, Bush School students who have spent the first half of their spring semester here. It is spring, right? Yeah. <laughs> first half of their spring semester taking a course with me on decision making in public service, um, as with the first group that you would have already heard at this point. So I'm going to go through all the details again, but they are uh, going to be presenting some ideas that they've had on how to improve decision making for public service and public servants. So with that in mind, I'm going to ask the students to introduce themselves. And we'll start with you, Fawn, and come around to Kyung Chow here. And then I'll uh, pose to you the question of what have you learned, and you can get us started. Okay? Yeah. Hello, I'm Yifan Wang. I'm Austin. Austin Reed. I'm Steve McKnight. I'm Kyung Chow Casey Kim. All right. So thank you uh, for chatting with me. Uh, I enjoy these conversations a lot and enjoy learning about all the work that you've done. So, what have you learned about decision-making in public service? Orient me a little bit. Okay, well, today we're going to talk a little about some of the heuristics and biases that affect public servants. And uh, I'll go ahead and uh, get started with System 1 and 2, Daniel Kahneman in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow. He sets forth uh, two characteristic modes of thought, and uh, of course, these are System 1 and System 2. And really, these are just metaphors for the different thought processes that people naturally have. And System 1 is actually the hero of the book. It's intuitive, quick, involuntary. And System 2, on the other hand, is slower, considerate, and somewhat lazy. And um, essentially, we have, <laughs> yeah, essentially, we have uh, an attention budget and uh, use our System 2 somewhat sparingly, some more than others. And uh, we are also quite prone to, uh, you know, as I mentioned, different heuristics and biases, as we'll explain later. And so I'm going to look a little bit at System 1 and 2 in relation to public service and public servant decision making. Okay. And so all of these concepts are crucial to public servants. And Public servants are ultimately obliged to use their system to, uh, in order to make appropriate decisions. And you know, this may sound easy, but sometimes it's harder than it seems to bypass our, our biases. And so, um, research has actually shown that people are growing more short-term oriented. You know, tenure of job and relationships is declining, and you know, the rise of social media is promoting a culture of immediate gratification almost. And so. Um, People are thinking more and more with their system one, and this shouldn't discourage uh, public servants. Uh, uh, while we, uh, as public servants, are called to use our system two to assess situations, uh, we also have to take into account the public's readiness to use our system one, and um, this shouldn't, uh, you know, we should tailor our decisions towards this, you know. And uh, in 2008, a University of Chicago economist and a Harvard law professor uh, Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein, they put together a, a book called Nudge, Improving Decisions About Health, Wealth, and Happiness. And in this book, they use System 1 and 2 thought processes, processes as their foundation. And they actually refer to them as the automatic and reflective modes. And so basically, they, they advocate for uh, uh, public servants to use psychological nudges, uh, which make System 1 thought processes and behaviors healthier for the public. And so uh, the this first, their, I think, libertarian paternalism. Yes, yes, they, they coined that yeah. phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so the first and most simple example they give, it's about a certain scenic road in California. It has a lot of sharp, dangerous curves, and it turns out the warning signs weren't exactly sufficient. So they painted a bunch of white stripes along the road, and as the the, the curves grow tighter, the stripes go. Uh, they give the um, sensation that you're going faster than you actually are. And so, yeah. So they put them closer together or something so that right, you're Right, right. Exactly. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And another example, if you're from Texas, uh, you've probably heard of it. Even if you're not from Texas, you may have heard of it. It's the Don't Mess With Texas campaign. And this was tailored to a public who was 
previously unreceptive to anti-pollution campaigns. And um, when System 2 arguments weren't working, they coined a strong, concise catchphrase, and they employed promotion from Dallas Cowboys, Willie Nelson, you know, you name it. And, uh, you know, they saw a 29% decrease in littering within one year and 72% within six years. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, public servants, therefore, shouldn't be discouraged by people's use of system one thinking. And instead, we should use it to our advantage wherever possible. And so, while tailoring towards system one thought is, is one perspective, promoting system two thought is another. And, uh, and there's no explicit way of doing this, uh, I guess, yet, but... Um, a study from the European Journal of Political Science, uh, which was also explicitly based on Kahneman's concepts of System 1 and 2, they found that System 1 uh, generally holds government politics in a, in a negative light. While people who were uh, forced to use System 2 in focus groups, they gave uh, more multifaceted answers, and they found that it actually had a place and was even somewhat positive. So, uh, you know, this cyclical System 1 thought may eventually prove corrosive to social capital, and so pursuing system two thought in, uh, may be viable in the future. Yeah, I like the, uh, that study where, that you just mentioned um, that makes it break it down into specific facets of what you feel about right. government or governing organizations rather than just, you know, the previous group was talking about the affect heuristic, right? Mm -hmm. And that uh, it's easy to find like something negative about a governing entity or an agency or have one or even multiple negative uh, interactions with some form of government and then just decide, well, it's all crappy, it's all terrible, exactly. it's all awful. Whereas if you're forced to kind of think through some of the things that government agencies do well versus some of the things they don't do so well and have a little bit more nuanced opinion, then you can you pull away a little bit from that affect heuristic. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Let's bring some other folks in on this conversation. Me. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see this coming. <laughs> so my topic is regression to the mean, but for the general audiences, maybe the regression to the mean is not easy term to understand. So I want to start with the examples, like when people are seeing is some person is really good at tasking, and people basically. Uh, presume or forecast that the, the person might be also well doing well in later tasks or even better but actually in many cases that person could be even worse and on the other hand some people think like if a person was poor on the task or tasks actually people could expect that that, per that person could be even worse in the next task or next tasks but surprisingly or unsurprisingly that person could be even better after that so it means that some people has a tendency to make a conclusion regressional I mean in easy terms just conclusion or expectation that some kind of tendency causal tendency could be maintained but it means that it's, it's not true it's not true so basically a person who are really good at something that person could be worse it means that zero is the mean. So it means that the regression to the mean is that that just causal um, forecasts might not maintain as expected. Yeah, one of the things, one of the examples that Kahneman uses is uh, two golfers, for mm -hmm. example, right? That's right. And the idea of regression to the mean, and this one's a big in other sports like baseball, for example, mm -hmm. that people tend to do what they do on average. Yes, right. Right? And so that in general, people tend to to give their average performance. Mm -hmm. 
So, for example, if you take a, uh, a golfer who's not very good on average and then they have a really good day one as part of a tournament, then it's unlikely that they're going to do just as well on day two given that their performance usually isn't so good. They're more likely to regress, move towards, go back towards the, their average performance. Right, and this is something that we don't usually take into enough account when trying to be predictive about what's going to happen next. We don't give the average performance because it's boring and dull and not very interesting. Uh, we don't give it the kind of weight that we need because, in general, people end up back by their average performance on average. Right? Yes. Yeah, I want to change. I want to change my term to zero as average. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, that that's much more correct. And so. That's a more easy terms of explanation, which is still on what the regression to the mean, but in more policy perspective, that just causal um, forecast actually could be a really important policy decision making. So in that case, if people or public employees are making the policy decisions based on misunderstanding, I mean, the regression to the mean is statistically means that there are just correlations, not causal relationships. So based on this misunderstanding, um, making or implementing policy decisions might be serious, not really good mm -hmm. uh, results. So we should be really cautious about that situation. So methodologically experiments or the other um, alternative methods could be utilized for covering up the deficiencies or the, um, limitations. But that could be a little bit hard even to the public employees. So in my understanding, collaborative uh, governing with even scholars could be really important for making better governing system and policy decision making. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. Yeah, regression to the mean is one that Kahneman talks a good bit about that I think uh, people in general don't have a good framework for. Like a lot of you learn it in statistics here. Woohoo! Differential <laughs> statistics, your favorite course, right? It's just, it's, I want to say that some, even in some students who are, who are studying in the graduate school or even undergraduate, some people who are aiming for working in the government sector are sometimes confused with control groups, controlling system two, and like, um, uh, I mean, control, they, some, many people are confused with control variables and utilizing control groups in experiments. So that's what I was talking about. There are some ways of cooperations between scholarships and practitioners because some methodologies or concepts could be seemingly easy but sometimes could be confusing. Mm -hmm. So to make a more precise and reliable policy decision making, there should be some cooperations between diverse entities. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. What else do we have, team? All right, so I'll be talking about cognitive ease, cognitive strain, and ego depletion. <clears throat> so Kahneman's concept of system one is focused on the idea that the mind will create ways to process information faster and more efficiently, but at the cost of accuracy. Uh, but this is often a necessary trade-off. Uh, whenever you're using less cognitive energy, your body's able to use that energy for other functions. It's for this reason, according to, and I'm going to ask for assistance with the, with the last name. Ooh, goodness, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it any more <laughs> oh, no. than you can. But we'll spell it one good time. C S I K S Z E N T M I H A L Y I from 1990. What's that? Six <laughs> So he's brilliant and he came mm -hmm. up with the idea of flow. <laughs> That's what's important there. Um, 
And so it, it explains the phenomenon of how individuals can train themselves to perform certain complex tasks uh, that the everyday person might find extremely difficult and require a lot of focus, but with enough repetition, they're able to do it uh, reflexively, essentially. So that's cognitive ease. The opposite would be cognitive strain. And so the, the illustration that Kahneman gives is the experiment in which subjects are asked to memorize a, a string of random digits. And then at the same time, they're offered, uh, I believe it was either a piece of cake or a piece of fruit, and their, uh, their self-control is, is worn down by this, this other task that they're doing, and they typically would accept the cake. Uh, so this demonstrates how there is a finite amount of willpower within a person and distracting or consuming tasks can prevent a person from showing self-control. On the long term, this effect looks like ego depletion. Uh, whenever you're forced to concentrate, the brain is, is using a significant amount of its energy and eventually that energy gets used up and this will literally make someone feel more tired. Uh, the example that uh, Baumeister used in his experiments uh, was that the, the participants were, were put into a room with a plate of uh, either cookie or candy and then a bowl of radishes and some of the subjects were told that they had to eat the radish, couldn't eat the, the more tasty uh, <laughs> items and some were told the, the opposite. And so, The radishes are so good. I, you know, I, I actually did wonder about that. I wondered if, if they had to, to vet the people who actually liked radishes. <laughs> Uh, but, but essentially the people that were told that they couldn't eat the thing that they wanted to left the experiment and, and, and reported that they were um, a lot more tired than the ones that left the experiment and were able to eat what they wanted to. Uh, so that, that sustained uh, demonstration of self-control uh, literally drained them of, of their energy. So to m make sure I'm understanding uh, this sort of train of information, so we have these concepts called cognitive ease and cognitive strain. And we've already talked about how system two requires effort, which is a little bit more towards a cognitive strain, and then we have limited amounts of effort, right? So uh, anytime we're engaged in cognitive strain, we only have so much of that. And the more that we have of the cognitive strain, like focusing intensely, one, you can measure that through your pupils, which we learned in, uh, in this class, which was, was kind of interesting. Um, but uh, the other thing is um, that it, it eventually leads to ego depletion. And ego depletion being this idea that it's like self-control, awareness, in charge, engaged in kind of system two reasoning, that you only have so much, like having so much gasoline in the tank, right? And when you're in cognitive strain mode, you're wearing down that gasoline that, that uh, helps you have an uh, ego. And then over time, as you drain down the gasoline, your performance decreases and you're unable to like maintain that peak performance when you're having to engage in cognitive strain. And one of the nice things about this, you mentioned flow, is that you can actually move some tasks with repeated effort and time and, and uh, well, time and effort and move them from something that's cognitively straining to something that's cognitively easy, right? And so the more you do these tasks, the more they get moved into like a cognitive ease task. Just make sure I was on the same page. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to understand the relationship between System 1 and System 2. And I think these demonstrate that just because somebody is using System 1 doesn't mean that they are inherently lazy. They, they might have just mm -hmm. used up the, their, their energy resources. So it, System 1 is definitely not um, inferior inherently. It's just what the body has to resort to whenever it's, it's out of energy. 
Yeah, I on after Tuesdays, which this is a Tuesday, I have these I have these two classes. Then I do a, a book club and a review session with some students and have a couple meetings over lunch. I get home, I do some of those things from home. That day ends at nine thirty. And at nine thirty my brain actually just I, I sometimes can't form sentences. Like I can't I can't like focus on anything, even basic emails. Because that, uh, that overall fuel that I have is just is just gone. I think it's also important for public servants to be aware of because when you're in a ego depletion mode, you know you were talking about the way the experiments were set up. You engage in behavior that you usually would stop, right? And so if you're in like repeated stressful extreme situations for hours and hours on end, you need to be aware that you're going to have a harder time engaging your system. To you're going to have a harder time. Uh, controlling yourself, you're going to have a harder time not being a victim of your emotions. And just being aware of that, I think, is also something that's super useful for public servants. Absolutely. And we also wrote into our paper uh, a, couple of, a couple of recommendations. One was that if, if public servants uh, are, are creating uh, standard operating procedures, that can help guide them from making irrational decisions when they are tired. Uh, and if that's not possible or if it's not conducive to the situation, uh, I would definitely argue that this is these are some good reasons for for breaks. At work. <laughs> yeah. is, if you if you want optimal decisions made by your employers you, your employees, excuse me, you, you want to make sure that they're uh, they're resting, they're eating, they're able to to stop and, and punctuate the day with some, some recharge time. Yeah, it's a it's a, a strong argument I think for a more holistic treatment of your employees, making Absolutely. sure they're able to take care of themselves, rested. Uh, healthcare maybe and all these other things so that they can focus on their work tasks. Very good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I will discuss the role of small numbers. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it is related to a, a little bit of statistical con concept. Mm -hmm. Hope our audience will not turn off the podcast. Okay. So my students do that. They hear statistics. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Even in statistics class. Yes. <laughs> so stay with us. There's some interesting stuff here. Yes. Okay. So um, in the small numbers, um, we always uh, observe some extreme values. Yeah. These extreme values will affect the, the mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The average will uh, not equal to the median number. Yeah. So that will cause some problems. So in the government, um, in recent years, government tried to uh, make decision based on um, evidence. Yeah, this evidence may be the uh, empirical results, the information or the number from, from those data. But uh, if you use the small numbers, the extreme values will affect the average and the mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, government will get the, um, the wrong uh, information from those data sets and that will make the wrong decisions. Yeah, that is for government. And um, for some individual uh, applicants to uh, to take government services, uh, maybe they will um, they will get the the bad consequences because government used the wrong information to make decision. Um, for example, um, in the um, uh, uh, refugee asylum grant policy, the government will uh, based on their previous imagination and small numbers to decide who can take the grants or who cannot take that grants. Yeah, that will make some problems for these individuals. Mm -hmm. The human rights will be um, hurt in in the small numbers. Yeah. Um, so uh, our paper argued that maybe we can use big data to solve this problem uh, because in recent years um, the technology is so good, so we can collect uh, um, large data set. So search Google, the Amazon, they can use the big data to uh, deploy the resources to appeal the uh, consumers to buy their uh, products. Yeah, so the same way government also can use, because in the, the big data, 
the extreme values has a, li a, a little effect on the sample mean. Yeah, that would be better. So, um, so government, uh, because decision making is a long process and have lots of stakeholders, yeah, and if you use the uh, large data set to get information that will assist you to uh, make a good uh, decision. So um, in our government, uh, in the United States, um, government try to uh, use big data to solve the, uh, uh, solve the political problems such as flu prevention, the healthcare, uh, job creation, or natural disasters. Yeah. And uh, in the United Kingdom, they also use uh, the, big, uh, the big data analysis to solve some problems, uh, and they can uh, save the uh, uh, sa they can save um, 16 billion to 33 billion uh, pounds in the United uh, United Kingdoms. Yeah. So uh, government can try to use the large uh, big data analysis to get the true information to make a good uh, decisions, but they have to uh, be aware of the uh, data quality. Yeah, because if you get the wrong data or the uh, low quality data, that will make the wrong information for you and to make the wrong decisions. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you sort of end this bit on the role that the big data can play. This is something that, yeah. as you all know, I'm interested in. And yeah. there's fastly advancing the amount of data that governments and private market actors have access to, and quickly improving the the analytic capacity. Yeah things like um, uh, machine learning, yeah. things like artificial intelligence, yeah. things are starting to play a, a large role. It's something that if you continue to follow along with these conversations, we're gonna focus on in the second half of yes. this course. Um, so this is a nice, uh, a nice prelude to <laughs> yeah. some of the things that are coming. Um, this is good. Uh, anything else that you wanna leave uh, the listeners with that we haven't already hit on? Everybody got a nice opportunity? Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks for your work. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.